Hey there, future friends. This week, algae can save us, we have to pay for our crimes, and we're just a little evil. This is the week of July 1st, 2022, and this is Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome everyone, welcome to the show. I am here once again to tell you about all of the movies coming out this week, and I did notice something. I did my show notes on Friday or Saturday, I forgot which day, but I started them the week previously, and I double-checked them before I started recording today, I'm recording this Sunday the 26th, and I noticed that two more movies were added. So you know those times where I'm talking about a movie I've seen, or I maybe saw it in the store, and I say, I can't even remember ever talking about that on the show. Well, this is probably what happened. The various sites I used maybe just weren't updated. And it's amazing how different they are. So as you may know, if you've been with the show for a while, I use IMDb, I used firstshowings.net, and I use Movie Insider. And I really do have to check all of them because sometimes only one site will have a movie and the others won't. The good news is that usually they're super small indie films that aren't getting wide releases or going straight to VOD, so nothing people would really miss. But sometimes we do find some gems, don't we? Well, my friends, let me tell you what it is I do on the show just in case you're new. On this show, I talk about every movie coming out during the week. I put them into two categories. The first is the limited release section. In that section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. Maybe I'll give some thoughts on it, but other than that, we move on. Pretty quick section most of the time, since I'm literally just telling you the bare bones of the movie. And remember, last week I did pose you a question. If you want me to go more in-depth about the limited releases, please let me know. You know what? At this point, unless it's an truly awful suggestion, I would basically take any suggestions. Critter gave me a suggestion, and I tried to do it as much as I can remember, and I'm sorry, man, I forgot, like, like a good chunk in the middle. And if you think about it, it kind of makes up for the fact that we don't do the question of the week anymore, so instead of forgetting your answer, I just forget to do this. So uh, I'm sorry, and I don't know why it's always you. But anyway, after the limited section, we jump into the wide releases and interesting indies, which is very similar, but just a little more, in which I tell you the name of the movie, what it's about, and who's in it, but I also give you my thoughts on the movie, and then I give it a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, also known as the Bill Score, which can go anywhere from a zero for those awful-looking films to an 11 for those films that just get me so very excited. I also have a pick of the week, which I say, hey, friends, if you go see a movie in the theaters this week, this is your best bet. But of course, all of this is just my opinion. And I always welcome you to give me yours. If I talked shit about a movie and you ended up liking it, please let me know. Tell me what you like about it. 
Or if I thought a movie looked really good and it ended up being crap, let me know. You can find all of my contact information in the link tree in the show notes. But my future friends, let us not waste another moment and jump into the first segment, which is the limited releases. Let's start with a movie called Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song. This feature-length documentary explores the life of singer-songwriter Leonard Cohen as seen through the prism of his internationally renowned hymn, Hallelujah. This, of course, is a documentary, and like so many documentaries, this is really only for the people who are passionate about the topic. So if you are a Leonard Cohen fan, this is 100% for you. Next up, we have a movie called Clara Sola. In a remote village in Costa Rica, Clara, a withdrawn 40-year-old woman, experiences a sexual and mystical awakening as she begins a journey to free herself from the repressive religious and social conventions which have dominated her life. This is a movie from Costa Rica. And based on that premise, it could have been interesting. It really could have. But based on the trailer, I got 100% none of that from the trailer. The trailer just seemed like the story of this woman who honestly just doesn't seem all there in the head. Like there's some sort of learning disability or some something like that. And when there's such a disconnect between what the trailer shows us and what the premise says, I just can't picture myself seeing this movie and I can't recommend anyone else to either. Of course, this could be one of those cases that we see so, so many times of a bad trailer or a trailer that, that just can't portray the film properly. So maybe this is a good one, but maybe it's not. Next up, we have a film called Accepted. The ambitious students of the T.M. Landry Prep School enjoyed a remarkable 100% acceptance rate into the country's most elite colleges until an explosive New York Times article exposed the controversial teaching methods of its dynamic founder. This is a documentary. And I just read up a little bit about this school, and it does sound like an interesting documentary where there were reports of abuse and falsifying transcripts. But again, with documentaries, do you care enough to see this in theaters? That's a question. We have three more movies left in the limited release section, my friends. Three more, and the next one is called Hot Seat. An ex-hacker is forced to break into high-level banking institutions. Another man must try to penetrate the booby trap building to get the young man out of the hot seat. This stars Mel Gibson from Ransom, Kevin Dillon from Entourage, Shannon Doherty from Charmed, and Eddie Steeples from My Name is Earl. Look, the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter who's in it or what this movie even looks like. It has Mel Gibson. And while we do need to allow people to apologize and change from mistakes they made, Mel Gibson is not one of those people. And I feel bad for Kevin Dillon, Shannon Doherty, and Eddie Steeples. They're good. They do good work, and they are worth so much more than a movie with him in it. So 100% skip this film. All right, friends, the next two movies in the limited section could be interesting. Could be. But let's talk about Attack on Finland. Finland's Independence Day celebration on December 6th is crudely interrupted by an attack on the presidential palace. A set of distinguished guests are taken as hostages. Security Service Officer Max Tanner is set as the negotiator of the hostage crisis 
and soon it is clear that the main target behind the terrorist attack is a plan to destabilize the security of Europe. Tanner must take bold and even painful decisions to figure out who is behind the attack. After all, there are not only human lives to protect, but the future of Europe as a whole. This is a movie from Finland and stars Jasper Pakunen from Black Klansman and Severir Goodnesson from Borg vs. McEnroe. So again, this movie has promise. It does. It looks interesting. It looks like an interesting action film, kind of espionage action film, but not worth the effort to go see. Nothing about it just stood out to me. And in a very similar vein, the final movie in the limited release section is called Sniper, the White Raven. After suffering a tragedy at the hands of the invading soldiers in Donbass, a Ukrainian physics teacher seeks revenge. He sets his sights on an elite Russian sniper whose elimination could change the tide of the conflict. This is a movie from Ukraine. And as a war movie, looks pretty interesting. But as always with these films, I do have to take into account how hard would it be for you to find and watch this film should you want to. Hell, when we have a movie from India that I want to see, sometimes it's really hard, even though some of the major streaming services get foreign movies, sometimes these aren't very easy to find. So someday down the line, because this definitely isn't a theater watch, if you do get a chance to watch Sniper the White Raven, why not? Just check it out. Well, my future friends, that's it for the limited release section. Let's just jump into our only break as we hear word from the friends of the show, the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, and we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. Alright everyone, we're back. We are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. And it looks like we have about six movies this week. So why wait and talk about beauty? This is coming out on Netflix June 29th. So by the time this episode drops, you may have already had a chance to see this. This is about a gifted young black woman who struggles to maintain her voice and identity after she's offered a lucrative recording contract. This stars Elise Shannon from 2019's Black Christmas, Nicey Nash from Reno 911, Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad, Sharon Stone from Breaking Instinct, and Gracie Marie Bradley as Beauty. I'm really torn with movies like this because I look at it two ways. The first is that, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of movies like this. Someone changing and having to remember who they are after coming into fame or fortune or something like that is a common 
story. But on the other hand, we have a movie about a person of color who is at the center of this. And while we still have seen movies about people of color having to deal with this struggle, it's still good seeing movies starring people of color. And just because it's overdone for me as a guy who can identify with those white stories being half white and all, other people, especially full people of color or the non-white passing people of color, they probably aren't so bored with this trope because they haven't been able to see themselves in it as much as people like me have. So I think that's the benefit of this film. And it also has a good looking cast. So I think this is well worth a watch. Also, it's just on Netflix. That's very easy. So many of us have Netflix, even though Netflix has seen a lot of people canceling, you probably still have access to it somewhere. But let's look past the fact that this is a familiar story. It still looks like it's well done. Like so many other movies that come out, this kind of falls in that in that gray zone of if you don't watch this, I don't think you'll miss out on anything. But if you do watch it, you could potentially like it quite a bit. Beauty could be the right movie to save for a rainy day. And because of that, it gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie that looks more fun than Beauty, but as far as a quality film, as far as cinema goes, it looks far less. And that is called The Princess. This is a Hulu original movie. When a strong-willed princess refuses to wed the cruel sociopath, she is kidnapped and locked in a remote tower of her father's castle. With her vindictive suitor intent on taking her father's throne, the princess must save the kingdom. This stars Joey King from The Kissing Booth, Dominic Cooper from The Devil's Double, Veronica Ngo from The Old Guard, and Alex Reed from The Descent. You know, I can't help but think about how weird stuff like this is, because I fully, fully admit that beauty will be a better quality film than The Princess. But a lot is to be said for fun. Beauty is a serious drama. The Princess is a stupid action comedy. It looks stupid. When it comes to me and mood watching, movies like The Princess are the ones I'm more likely to watch. I, I recently watched Sing 2 and Sonic 2. Both were just okay. The first ones were better. But I know that The Northman is also available to stream on Peacock. Oh, there. Here we, here we go, Critter. There is my what's available on streaming. The Northman is available to stream on Peacock. If you do not have Peacock, ask your friends. One of them may have it. But also, it's not that expensive to just get for a month. Sonic 2 is also on streaming. It's on Paramount+. Plus, and Sing 2 is on Netflix. So three fairly new movies, all available to watch on streaming and on different services. So there's something there for you. But back to my explanation, I watched both Sing 2 and Sonic 2, even though I 100% know I will watch The Northman and like it better as a movie. So that's why movies like The Princess are kind of odd to me, because I do think the chances of me watching that one are a lot higher than Beauty, even though I think Beauty looks better. But about The Princess, I think I said it, it looks dumb. We have Joey King from The Kissing Booth who is starring in this movie where she's a kick-ass princess doing a 
okay British accent. I mean, it's not great, but I've heard far worse. But the princess doesn't look bad. It just looks mindless and forgettable. The princess gets a six out of 11. Next up, my friends, is a movie called Mr. Malcolm's List. This is a limited release movie. A young woman courts a mysterious wealthy suitor in 19th century England. You know what? That's actually a crap premise. Let me let me give you a better one based on the trailer. It is about this guy named Mr. Malcolm. And he has a list of everything he looks for in the perfect woman. And this woman who I guess was interested in him was kind of kind of felt scorned by that list. So she gets her family member who is poor and lives in a poor area of England to come over dress up all super nice and court him to basically scorn him later. And guess what? She falls in love with him. Oh, yay. This stars Frida Pinto from Slumdog Millionaire, Sope de Risu from His House, Oliver Jackson Cohen from The Haunting of Hill House, Ashley Park from Emily in Paris, Zawe Ashton from Velvet Buzzsaw, and Theo James from Detergent. I mean, Divergent. I like these movies that are period pieces but they have people of color just thrown into the mix, like Bridgerton, because there is something to say about period accurateness. But also, who cares? Like, really, who cares? Who is going to watch a romance set in 19th century England and see a bunch of people of color walk around going, oh, that would never have happened. I can't watch this. Well, good, good. If that's the way you're going to look at it, you don't deserve to watch a fun movie. I mean, even if we really want to be period accurate, who who really cares? And if you're going to say you, why? It doesn't matter. But as a period piece romance, this looks good. I do want to see this. This is on my list, but 100% on my list to watch on streaming. Because if I missed Kenneth Branagh's Death on the Nile in theaters, which I was excited for, I am not going to make an effort to watch this on the big screen. Will I make an effort to watch it when it comes to streaming? Yes, I think this looks like a good film. You know what you expect with a period piece. You know what you're going to get. Even the ones that aren't that great are at least entertaining. At least you go into it with expectations that are very easy to meet. You want something prim and proper. You want some of that dry British humor. You want period accurate gowns and everything because that's the important part about a period piece is the look of it, the ambiance. I think Mr. Malcolm's List has a lot going for it and I think it's going to be an entertaining film. And this is also based on a book. So if you want to read the book, go right ahead. It's called Mr. Malcolm's List, go figure, right? By Suzanne Elaine. I think it is A-L-L-A-I-N. And it's a uh, it's a series. So Mr. Malcolm's List looks good. Looks like a predictable yet comforting period romance. And who doesn't love one of those? I mean, a lot of people probably. But, but for the sake of argument, for the sake of the show, who doesn't love one of those? Mr. Malcolm's List gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends, three more movies. So let's talk about the next one called The Forgiven. This is another limited release. The Forgiven takes place over a weekend in the high Atlas Mountains of Morocco and explores the reverberations of a random accident on the lives of both the local Muslims and Western visitors to a house party in a grand villa. This stars Ray Fiennes from Schindler's List, Jessica Chastain from Molly's Game, 
Matt Smith from Doctor Who, Abby Lee from The Neon Demon, Caleb Landry Jones from Get Out, Christopher Abbott from It Comes at Night, and Saeed Tagmali from Wonder Woman. So The Forgiven looks like one of those special movies that has a good cast, it looks well done, has a good idea, but it's just going to fly under everyone's radar. Just like 2018's Bel Canto, which has a good cast of Julianne Moore, Ken Watanabe, Christopher Lambert, and it's based off an award-winning book that has a lot going for it, but it just kind of flew under the radar. In fact, I didn't become aware of it until I read the book. And 2018 was during the lifespan of Future Flicks with Billiam, and I don't remember talking about this movie at all. To be fair, I could have talked about it. I just have a really bad memory. So I kind of view The Forgiven like that. This is a good cast. Jessica Chastain is on a hot streak. Matt Smith, probably the most successful person who has played the Doctor in Doctor Who. Caleb Landry Jones has been in quite a few highly regarded movies. This is just a good cast. The trailer looks good. This is a drama with a little bit of mystery to it. And also, like the premise says, this has a kind of commentary on the way people live. Because we have the white people who are in this country for a party to visit their friend who owns a mansion. And then we have the locals, the local Muslims, who live a noticeably different life from the mansion-dwelling white people. So we have Ray Fiennes driving this car with Jessica Chastain, and they hit this person, hit and kill this person. Uh, Ray Fiennes takes his eyes off the road for just a little bit. This person, when he looks back, this person's in the middle of the road, gets hit. If you remember the book or the movie that was made of it, Thinner by Stephen King, kind of a similar thing, except Ray Fiennes isn't getting head during this, but starts a similar way. And the good thing is about this film is I have no idea where it's going. I watched the trailer, I rewatched the trailer, and I can't really see what direction it's going. Is this just going to be a lesson where Ray Fiennes learns his lesson that, hey, we have to also respect the locals when we visit these places, when we buy our mansions in these places? Or are, are these people going to seek revenge going, hey, white invader, we know you did this. If you weren't even here, this wouldn't have happened. My, my son or my, my relative would still be alive. Let's get revenge. There are many other ways this could go, and I do like that. However, this movie is going to get overlooked. It's going to get overlooked because there's just so much going on during the summer, and though we have a little bit of a lull going on because arguably the big blockbuster this week isn't huge. It is something a lot of people have been looking forward to, but it's a lot more niche than, say, a Marvel movie. If one day you watch The Forgiven, I think it's going to be a good film. I think it's going to be well acted. It's going to be dark, and it may not be terribly predictable if the trailer is to be believed. At the very least, you'll be watching something quality, if not something actually good. But as of right now, do you have to catch us in the theaters? Absolutely not. But who knows? You know, when Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri came out, I said the same thing about that, and then it turned out to be one of those movies that everyone had to watch. Everyone watched it and loved it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was one of those movies that was tremendously well acted, but I just didn't like it that much as far as the premise went. 
I, I just really liked the acting. I thought that was super well done. Who knows where The Forgiven is going to land on that scale, but at the very least, it has reliable people in it. The Forgiven gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends, it is one of those times where I'm going to do a dual pick of the week. And it's because my pick of the week is, I think I already said this, a, a pretty niche movie in the sense that if you didn't watch the previous movies in the series, you're probably not going to watch this one. And there was another movie coming out that I thought looked pretty good. And it's also worth a look. So the runner-up pick of the week is a limited release movie called Rubicon. Following a catastrophe on Earth, the planet is covered in a toxic fog. The crew in the space station must decide whether to risk their lives to get home and search for survivors or stay safe in the station's algae symbiosis system. This starts George Blagin from Vikings. So what we have here is a sci-fi movie that I think looks very clever because a lot of it does take place on the space station. And we just see the view, view from Earth as it is from space, round, you know, not a flat disc. But we have these scientists up there that are working on this algae system that can basically clean the air, can scrub the oxygen. And this toxic fog envelops the planet. And they think, oh no, everyone's dead. This is awful. At least we survived. So uh, we're up here and we have food and water and clean air. So that's cool. But then one of the members of the crew keeps trying to reach people on Earth and actually finds people. There are people still alive and they can be saved. So like the premise says, what do they do next? Do they risk literally everything to go down and get them? Or do they just stay where they are? And I think that is always a very compelling thing to have in a movie. Because it's very easy for you and me to sit back here and go, well, of course we'll help people. We want to help people survive. But goddammit, it is a literal life and death situation. You could be some of the few human beings left in the universe. And do you leave the space station to go down to a toxic planet to try and save people? And the crew, when it comes to this, is torn. The woman who discovers that people are still alive is on the side of going to save them. Yay, let's go save these people. But the main scientist behind the algae system is like, no, let's not do that. It's a suicide mission. We're lucky that we're alive. Let's stay here. And while things like that are a familiar trope as far as science fiction or end of the world apocalypse movies go, I think it hasn't been done to death. So I think the fact that we have a familiar story in a science fiction movie is okay. When we were talking about beauty earlier in the episode, and I mentioned that the fact that it's about a person of color, a young woman of color, makes it interesting, whereas if it was just another story about white people, it would be old hat. I look at this in the sense that it hasn't been done enough to become old enough to be boring. The problem with Rubicon is that it is a limited release movie, so finding it is going to be a little more difficult than finding the pick of the week. The pick of the week is going to be everywhere, and as always, that is something I have to keep in mind when I think about what movies I'm going to suggest. How hard is it going to be for you to see? Even though I really want to see this, just like a lot of movies this week, or a lot of movies on the show in general, I am going to wait. But if I do see this on streaming, I will really want to watch it, 
and hopefully if I see it, I will remember to tell you. Rubicon looks like a quality sci-fi film. It looks like something that's not a big budget movie, but does well enough with what they have to make that not an issue. Because with genre films like sci-fi and fantasy, you have to be clever if you want to have that atmosphere from that genre, but also not have a big budget. It's very doable. It really is, but it has to be done wisely, and it looks like Rubicon did that. Of course, I'm just basing the fact that they don't have a big budget on the fact that there's no real big names in it, and also it's a limited release. So who knows? It could have had a very impressive budget, and I just had no idea. But as a movie, Rubicon looks entertaining and worth your time, but maybe just later on. Rubicon gets an 8 out of 11. Well, it is time for the second and main pick of the week, and that movie is called Minions, The Rise of Gru. The untold story of one 12-year-old's dream to become the world's greatest supervillain. Really, that's all they put for the premise. This features the voices of Steve Carell, Taraji P. Henson, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Michelle Yeoh, Dolph Lundgren, Lucy Lawless, Danny Trejo, Alan Arkin, Julie Andrews, Russell Brand, and RZA. So before I get into my complaining about that vocal cast, that unnecessarily huge vocal cast, let us talk about the more detailed premise based on the trailer that I watched. We have a young Gru who dreams of becoming the world's greatest supervillain. He's like, yeah, that is my jam. I want to do this. And so he starts inventing because remember, Gru is an inventor. That's what he does. So he starts making a name for himself, and guess who doesn't like this? Other villains. Other villains see this kid coming up, trying to get all up in their game, and they are like, no, let's take care of this kid. So they kidnap him, and who is left to save him? The Minions. Since, yes, this is a Minions movie, so it's more about them than it is about Gru, and this is a prequel to all of the other movies, though I haven't seen Minions yet, I'm pretty sure that Gru is an adult during it, and it's about some of the minions leaving to find other employment. So this is a prequel. This is about how Gru became Gru, and how the minions saved him. Could also explain why they're so loyal to him, because if you remember, in the first movie, he becomes broke because he loses his funding from the Bank of Evil. He loses his funding because a president of the Bank of Evil is funding the main bad guy of that movie, Gru's nemesis at the time, and this is before Gru tries to become a good guy. But let's not beat around the bush here. There is one key factor about me recommending this film. Have you ever seen the others? Have you ever even at least seen one film? And if you have, did you like it? Because if you've never seen a Despicable Me film and you want to watch it, I think you should be able to watch this. I mean, maybe there are some inside jokes you wouldn't get, but it should be pretty straightforward. But also, why pay theater prices for a franchise for the fifth, I think this is the fifth movie in the franchise, for a franchise that you have never seen? Hey, if you want to do it, do it. It's your money, it's your life. I'm not going to say anything about that. But when the pick of the week is a movie like this, that's why I try and like to do dual picks, just because there's probably a good number of you who have no interest in this. I like them, I think these movies are cute, but if you don't, that's fine. But if you have seen the others and you are interested in this, I see no reason why you shouldn't see this in theaters. Because even though 
it's not something like a Marvel film or, you know, just a big budget Disney film or anything like that. Movies like this are still better experiences on the big screen. Like, I've never seen a Despicable Me movie on the big screen, and I don't really think I've missed out. But it just would have been nice to have seen these on the silver screen. So, my future friends, this is a pick of the week paired with Rubicon. And just like Rubicon, Minions gets an 8 out of 11. Well, thank you once again for tuning in. I know some of you still listen, and I really appreciate it. Still, the fact that even one person wants to listen to this show still blows my mind. I mean, I will be honest, I do think I have a good show idea. I think I do a good job. But still, the fact that someone wants to hear me talk about films is baffling to me. And I appreciate each and every one of you. Even if I do tease you for never reaching out, I still love and appreciate you. So my future friends, that is it for this episode. Please remember to like this podcast and share the podcast. I would love a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please give me every single star. And where available or where you can, please give me a review. I would love it if you were kind. But hey, I'm always willing for valid criticism. You can find the ways to contact me in the show notes through the link tree. Don't forget to check out the other friends of the shows, the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast and We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. But most importantly, my future friends, no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.